Welcome to the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. Now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I'm your host. I'm here with our executive producer and co-host, Mark Griffith. This show is brought to you by Mortgage Investors Group. Um, We want to thank everyone for stopping in this morning with us and starting your weekend off right. And I hope you have your coffee. We're going to have an hour packed full of fun. Um, And also, we want to make sure you guys know how to plug in with us. You can go to, of course, Facebook.com slash The Housing Hour. You can go to Twitter at The Housing Hour. Um, as well as the the mothership of all of our information, the treasure trove is um, thehousinghour.com. Um, so you can look at any past series, listen to our show, download our app, learn more about us, plug in with us, all that. And so that's what you can do. And today we are very, 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 very excited about having a very special guest in studio with us. And that would be Halloran Hilton Hill. Thank you so much, Halloran. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It is great to be here. Yeah, well, we're so thankful. And um, you know, Halloran is a friend of mine. He he helps a mortgage investors group out by endorsing us every day, and um, he does a, a phenomenal job with that. And we just thank him for his radio show. I know we have a lot of listeners that probably listen um, to your show every morning, uh, as well as me. I know Mark does, um, and and I love just the the style of show that you put out there, and I love that you know how how you kind of communicate with your listeners it's unlike other shows actually because you want to know what they think and i think that's interesting and, and what what to start off and we're going to talk a little more about your life but i do i'm curious why do you start it off by asking them what do they think and why do they think it i'm a freedom junkie i, I mean i literally am a freedom junkie uh, america's best proposition is freedom and in this country we have the unique ability to have a say and how our government and how our lives are shaped. And, but I, what I do believe is that I'm seeing a trend in America. A, there is a cultural ADD that is taking over America where people can't hold their attention on anything for a very long time. Uh, we are becoming subject to technology instead of leveraging it for better life. We are subject to it. And as a result of that, people aren't thinking. They are preferring pre-formatted, curated thought. But I think America was designed with the thinking person in mind. We made a bold assumption at the beginning of this nation that individuals uh, are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. The proposition is that that person... They don't have to have a degree. They don't have to come from someplace special. They don't have to come from the right family or rank or whatever. That individual comes born installed with the software that says you're equal to everybody else. You can think for yourself. You can design the life that you want. And we're going to try to create a, a space and an environment where that works. Mm-hmm. Now that, yeah. that means a lot to me. And so mm-hmm. I want people to know you have the right and the responsibility to think for yourself. One, number two, I just want to see people think more. Um, I, 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 you can parrot someone else's thought, but there's nothing as refreshing as 
using your own mind to think through things. Because if you think through things for yourself and you arrive at a position for yourself, you can be more committed to that position. Mm-hmm. But if it's but if it's something you just accepted so that you would fit in, so that you would be in a peer group, you, you don't you don't really benefit from the freedoms that we really enjoy. And you don't enjoy life. Uh, life is for thinkers. I think anyway. No, that's good. You know, another refreshing thing is I think sometimes when people call in, call in shows, um, they're so worried about getting, getting cut off. Mm -hmm. And that is one thing I like about you that, you know, if you are one to engage with that person, you will, but it's not that, you know, you're going to have Chris just cut them off, you you know, or dump them yourself. You're going to let them talk it out. Um, but I love it when somebody says something profound on your show and I'm like, wow, what's Halloran going to respond to? And you say, thank you for your call. And we have Tim on. I'm like, wow, that is deep. But, you know, so when you when you were growing up, you you were born back in the 60s and you're the youngest of five children. And one of the biggest things I think I heard that you attribute your creativity is is that you weren't a popular kid. Right. You know, and that 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 comes with it. Being popular comes with it. Unintended consequences like peer pressure. And so talk about that, because I think what I hear you saying when you're asking people, what do they think and why do they think it? um, You're coming from a place where you could really use your raw thoughts and experiences growing up because you weren't tied down. I mean, certainly you had friends, but what I heard you saying, you weren't you weren't bound to a specific way of thinking or acting. Yeah. yeah. As a nerd and and everybody (laughs) that's listening to me, that's a nerd, um, you know exactly what this feels like. You don't fit in. Right. right. You just don't. And, and people, you even know what it feels like when people are trying to be sympathetic towards you because you don't. Fit in. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> and, and you, they don't even know that you pick up on all of that. So I, I, I didn't fit in, which, which it was kind of cool because I've never had to, by virtue of not fitting in, I've never had to live my life by committee. Mm. So, so I've never had to have, a cabal of friends that said, Hey, it's okay. We, we approve of you trying this or trying that. So constraint forms, uh, really does form creativity and not having a lot of friends, having to spend time by myself. I had to entertain myself, but I also entertained my curiosities. Mm-hmm. And I was blessed enough to have parents who kept logs and lighter fluid handy. So if there was a spark of creativity that they saw, they threw a log on it or they squirted some lighter fluid on it and mm-hmm. they let me explore my creativity, that freedom. Oh man. Yeah. And do you think being the youngest of five, but there being a pretty big age gap, it gave your parents maybe the more time to spend with you and help you. Not that they didn't help the other children, right. certainly, but it, it helped because you, you were there maybe by yourself some of the time. Cause there's a lot of, my mom is one of those, you know, there's a lot of people out there that, that, there's a space between the two other kids and the parents have a little bit more time and attention to pay. Yeah. It was interesting. Um, we have a tradition in our family. I was raised seventh day Adventist. The seventh day Adventist has, have a, a wonderful educational infrastructure within the denomination. And so we have a series of boarding academies all over America that feed into colleges and universities. And so it was the tradition in our family that when you got about 15 years of age, you went off, you did high school in a boarding academy. Mm. So by the time I'm eight, my siblings, which are nine plus years older than me, mm-hmm. were all gone, right. either in boarding academy or college. So I grew up much as an only mm. child. And I grew up 
during a time where my mother was dealing with um, deep clinical depression and menopause. Mm-hmm. Uh, at a time my father was probably at the peak of his career. So he was traveling and speaking and building churches and doing his thing. He was quite a, quite a dynamic uh, guy. And so I spent a lot of time at home with my mother. And I think since I was born to them so late in their lives, I think after you've raised a few kids, you start to go, mm. this is important, this isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So with my older siblings, maybe discipline was even more important. My parents were really tough on me. But what I do realize now, looking back, and it has taken me all this time to realize mm-hmm. it, is they made great space for creativity. Mm -hmm. They really did. And they never told me not to pursue um, the creative interest that I had. And I bless them. I thank God for that every day of my life, that that they allowed me to know what it's like to feel the energy of creativity flow through you. Mm -hmm. Because your, your creativity is not for you. It just flows through you. Yeah, apple trees don't eat apples. The fruit is for somebody else. And um, my parents were keen to that. And I learned to delight myself with learning and creativity. Yeah. So when you, I mean, there's a long period of time in your life where you were not at WOKI or 98.7. No. No, 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 no. And so you have, you know, and people that are in this area, they tend to be habitual and they think in terms of what's happening now the last 10 years. And so we always think of Halloran as being on the morning show, you know, and that's just, that's your role. But you have quite a history before that. So in 1964, you were born, excuse me for telling your age, but yeah. 1964, but then you, you know, you didn't come here until 1990. Right. Um, talk me through in the last few minutes we have in this segment, what were you doing throughout the rest of your life because that's a chapter that I don't know much about. Yeah. So uh, I, I did go to college. Um, I went to Oakwood University. Uh, I paid my own way through. So that was a... Well, I saw Huntsville. I thought it was a space academy. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> so at the Oakwood uh, University, which I, I'm proud that I attended that great school. Mm-hmm. Um, Oakwood University uh, used to be a plantation. Mm. And what's interesting is the 16 original students... Uh, that were at this training institute when it started. Dred Scott was one of the slaves that had been on that plantation. And the 16 original students included, I just found this out, included some of my wife's relatives. Wow. And we, I just found that out this year. So I went to Oakwood University where I studied communications. I minored in theology. My first two years of college, I was a pre-med uh, major. I was chemistry, biology, double major. I love science. I thought that was the track. I only wanted to be a doctor for the money and the prestige. I don't think anybody should be a doctor for those reasons. And so when I thought through it, uh, I adjusted that that concept. I was going to be a medical correspondent on television. I thought that might be a great thing. Dr. Sanjay Gupta kind yeah, of guy. Yeah, that kind of a guy. <laughs> um, and and that, that just didn't, that, that wasn't what I really wanted in my soul. I'm a communicator. That's my life. So went to college. I managed a radio station or two. I actually managed a couple of radio stations. I've lived in a few uh, places, and that's what I thought my life would be owning and operating media companies. Mm-hmm. But I ended up on the air. 
Yeah. And you do, um, is Wisdom House still around? Yes. Is that something? Because you, you have um, quite a bit going on right now. But, Lots. you know, with the Wisdom House is, is the centerpiece that you try to do some of your other activities through. So I speak, that write, I speak write, teach. I do radio, TV, and I'm working on film. Mm-hmm. And I'm a music composer and producer. Right. Uh, so uh, what, what the, the, the way I look at it is this. I tried to educate myself on every form of communication mm-hmm. so that no matter the platform to share ideas, I would at least be able to understand how you share ideas, how you shape ideas and send them out through whatever platform. Right. So, well, and, and we'll talk about that in the next segment because I, I want to understand, I want our listeners to understand how it is that you tuned your instruments if you will, and what that looks like and why you would do that. Because, you you know, communication is, is such a, an important um, piece of being a human being. And there's also this whole um, generation of people that are looking about what they're good. What am I good at? How do I establish the thing that I feel God wants me to do? And, mm-hmm. and, and I like, you know, in the times that I've heard you speak, you know, you have to find out what you're good at, certainly, but then you have to dedicate yourself to excellence. And how do you arrive at that? And so those are the things I think that most people that are out there that are listening, they're like, well, Halloran, you're a composer, you're an artist, you're all these things. You know, where do you get the time? Where do you get the energy? While at the same time, being a great husband, a great father. So we're going to dive into all of that stuff in the next segment. And we're just so thankful to have Halloran in with us because, you know, Halloran is, is one of those people that you, you know, you look up to, you, you, you try to emulate in a lot of areas. I know I do um, because I, I see, you know, what type of person that you are and, and you have, I'm certain that you're not perfect, but at least not by a long shot. Yeah, but, <laughs> but there's, there's something about being able to, um, look up to somebody and, and understand that, you know, we're all in this together, but there's some people doing it better than others. And, and, and I would prefer to emulate the people that are doing it better than others. So um, we're just so thankful for Halloran coming in here and um, <clears throat> we're going to continue in a moment, but I do want to remind you guys, if you want to go on the housinghour.com, you can um, share this show here in about an hour. Um, our producer Landon will have it up for you and you can share it with friends and family and you can go to the housinghour.com plug in with us with Facebook too, facebook.com slash the housing hour, Twitter. We're there as well. Download our app. You can listen to this show live. Um, and we're here with Halloran Hilton Hill. He is the morning show guru, king of the radio here in News Talk 98.7. And we're going to continue this conversation with him right after these messages. There must be some kind of way out of here. Say the joker to the thief. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. I could continue listening to that. Yeah, that's that's phenomenal. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah, and you know, this is a song that you co-wrote with Mervyn Warren, um, also from Huntsville, Alabama, which I think is amazing. 
Um, and that was a, a special experience for you to have your song chosen for, um, you know, use in the film, A Preacher's, uh, a preacher's Daughter. Yeah, The Preacher's Wife. Wife, rather. Yeah. Um, what an honor for you to have somebody choose you. I mean, because they have so many. I mean, I, could you imagine yeah. how many people that they had to choose from? And, and, and that song, that song gave you instant credibility. Talk about just briefly that whole experience. But, well, you know, um, thanks to to Mervyn Warren, um, because he was the music supervisor on that film. I, I'm a big believer in this whole concept of, of 10,000 hours. Uh, the process that I believe in is get ready, get noticed, get paid. Mm-hmm. So the ready phase is when you put in the 10,000 hours working on a craft so that you have facility. I mean, so that you can put it at the service of something bigger than yourself. Mm -hmm. Wisdom needs purpose. Uh, A a man that has a lot of wisdom that has no purpose, that wisdom will turn on you. Um, And trust me on that. So Mm -hmm. you can be the smartest guy in the world, but if you don't have anything to direct your intelligence toward, it will undo you, right? So I believe in this 10,000-hour thing, and I, I love writing music. I'd made a decision that I was going to write music. I was going to try to hone that craft. And that success for me in writing music would just be writing music. Everything above that line is gravy, Mm. right? Right. I dedicated myself to spending at least 10 years writing in obscurity where nobody would know anything that I was working on. And so I was writing every single day. I was writing at least a song a day, just about every day. Wow. Um, I rarely took a day off for about a decade. And so I have literally hundreds of songs um, to get to a song like this. My friend Mervyn Warren knew that I was writing. He liked my work. I am blown away and profoundly respect his work as both a writer and a producer. And it turns out he was the music supervisor on the film They needed one final song for the film. He called me and said, hey, would you start something that we could finish together later tonight? And over speaker phones, um, on one evening, we crafted the song. He took it to the studio, recorded the demo. He went straight to a meeting at Disney the next morning. They played it. Everybody started crying. It ends up in the movie. Uh, The Preacher's Wife soundtrack, at least at one point, held the distinction of being the biggest-selling gospel record of all time. Wow. I don't know where it is now. It was nominated for a Grammy. Nominated for a Grammy, platinum albums, that kind of stuff. But I can't imagine when you first heard that by Whitney Houston. Yeah. I mean, change it up a little. It just can't. Money doesn't touch it. All the no. work, ten thousand right. hour. When you heard her put the vocal cords on that, what right. went, went through your mind? Uh, I mean, it just blew me. I, I got a phone call from the studio, and Whitney and Denzel, and you know, this choir of kids and Mervyn, they were all in the sto- uh, in the studio. And they called me to let me hear it over the phone and to say hello and that kind of stuff. And that was thrilling. Um, you said you had to try to keep the bass in your voice. <laughs> I did. I, I did. Hello. But, and when I look back on it, that, that moment was incredible. Yeah. But I have to say that the moment of creation mm. meant as much to me as her acknowledging the work or creating the work. And right. that may be the shift that I've made in my work is with whatever I'm doing, I just don't care anymore about 
the proverbial next level. Mm-hmm. I'm finding great satisfaction in just the doing of it. Right. Well, you, you mentioned, sense. no, it does. It does. Um, you've recommended a couple of documentaries to me, which I've watched and I've loved. The sushi one was <laughs> oh, phenomenal. Is that not incredible? It, it is incredible. Yeah. But the other one that speaks to what you're talking about, I think, is the art of making wine or whatever it yeah. was. I haven't seen it, but I just, I heard you talking about that. And it was this monastery and the guys who make it, they were saying, how do you do this? You have this incredible wine and man, you know, what is it that you do? And, and the guy shrugged it off. He was like, you know, my work is my worship. Boom. You know? And so that's what I hear you saying is that it was the, the art of making it and, and putting the 10,000 hours into it. It's not about what people may or may not. I mean, Denzel and Whitney, certainly that's a, a great honor, but it was it was a worship act on your part. Yeah. See, see here's here's what happens. I, I've been a student of of wisdom literature. That's my that's my thing, mm-hmm. right? And so I started studying the life uh, and writings of King Solomon, mm-hmm. and he holds the distinction of being visited by God and given wisdom. Uh, wisdom. Uh, Heim Poltak said that wisdom is the mannered, calculated use of one's skill in the attainment of success. My definition of wisdom is that it is highly developed skill and insight applied at the right time to produce the right result for all the right reasons, right? And there are two levels of wisdom. Level one wisdom is the kind of wisdom that you earn or learn. This is the stuff of 10,000 hours. And we're hardwired for excellence. I really believe that. I believe that there's a lot of joy that comes from just grinding it out to, to come to a level of skill at a craft that allows you to use it joyfully and creatively. Uh, Marvin Hamlish, they said, was a delight to work with. And he had so much fun because anything he could think up, he could play. And so he was always delighted by where his imagination could take him, and he was never restricted by a lack of competence. So there's level one. Level two wisdom, though, is insight. And this is when you have plugged into something deeper. Uh, You've plugged into, for the sake of this interview, and with respect to anybody listening, you've plugged into a divine element, and you are actually downloading information, and it is being used in the creation or the discretion of something. So wisdom allows you to discern what note to leave out. <laughs> I mean, it's, it helps you in that decision-making. And when you have level one wisdom, you've put in your 10,000 hours, so you have maximized a skill set and have use of it. When that is joined with level two wisdom, where something divine is informing and shaping that and giving purpose to that, when you feel that flow through you, it is one of the most joyful, satisfying things that you could ever experience. And when you put that at the service of something or someone else, what I've come to find is it does kind of become an act of worship because you really are experiencing, you know, God flowing through you in that moment. It builds joy inside of you and you come to know this is what it is. This all by itself, this moment by itself, I'm working on a song for a friend of mine. He's getting married and we just finished writing the song and it took us four days. Um, I'm known amongst my friends when it comes to writing music as being the 20 minute guy because I put so much time in. If we sit down to write a song, I can bang it out in 20 minutes. This took me four days. Mm. 
I ended up um, writing. We, I, I recorded three hours worth of conversation to get to the heart of what we really wanted to talk about. And I ended up writing a thousand words worth of lyrics. I ended with 116. So right. I had to pare That's down from a level, thousand. You have to have level two. To, to 116. But when I, when I finished the song, I felt such supreme joy. I got the word that a major recording artist may be interested in recording this song, mm. right? Because she's going to perform at his wedding. I was sitting there in the studio, and Kevin, I, I was like, okay. The joy of the doing, though, right. was enough for me. Mm-hmm. And I know you, you may be listening right now, and you might think, that is the weirdest thing ever. I don't mean no. to weird you out, but that's literally how I feel. Having this conversation with you right now and being all in right here, mm-hmm. this is enough for me. Yeah. Well, what I like to... Um, point out for people, and you spoke to this in an interview that you gave, and you were talking about Proverbs three, you know, mm. and that was what you just spoke of in a, in a nutshell, and, and that you know, trust your trust the Lord in all your heart, and you talk about the example that you give when you do this Proverbs class, mm. and you have uh, somebody sit in the middle, and then you have two people reading on either side, and you ask the the person, can you understand what's happening? As soon as that you have one of the people and they say, no, we can't, there's too much going on. As soon as you have one of those people stop talking, it all becomes clear and they remember everything because you're tuning in. Talk about that because I love what you said. If you can tune out everything else and you're all in right here, then you're going to enjoy the moment. You're going to be able to give it your all and you're going to be able to leave out the right things because you're listening to what you're supposed to be hearing. And if you have two people talking, it's impossible, but to, to, to pull that around, talk about that and how you came to that. Well, you know, we, we do that example. We have somebody sitting in, in, in a chair and then we surround you with people and they're all reading different things to you at the same time. And I'm asking you, can you comprehend? And then if everybody except one person stops talking, all of a sudden it becomes clear. And many times our minds are fractured. Like I told you, the American attention span is fractured. Here's a stat for you. Average person is present, truly present, for three seconds, mm. right? Three seconds. The average amount of time that a person can give you their attention is eight minutes. I mean, in three-second intervals, their, their mind is going, okay, what's going to happen later today? What's going to happen tomorrow? Their mind is pinging around the entire time, but you only get about eight eight minutes of somebody's attention. Well, I hope we haven't lost listeners. So here's what I came to understand, why there's this kind of feeling of emptiness. If after three seconds your mind and your feet race back to something in your past, or if after three seconds your mind races and your feet race to something in the future, the reason that you feel such a void is because there's nobody home. Mm. There's nobody inhabiting the present moment. That's where your life is really happening. Mm -hmm. It's happening right now. But you're somewhere off in your anxiety about the future Mm -hmm. or your fear about the past that you don't experience the present moment now. And what faith does, and I don't know if it's okay to to speak of faith here, but what faith does is this. (laughs) Of course. Faith does this. Faith says so here's a solution for all of the things you fear about your past. How about we just wipe all of that out? 
And what faith does is says, here's a solution for everything you're anxious about in the future. I'm going to take care of your future eternally. So now you have permission to show up in this moment. Mm. And you may not like everything that happens, but if you're willing to receive everything as a lesson and a teaching and believe from the perspective that whatever is going to happen in this moment has real value, it's going to make me better in the long haul because that's the intent anyway. The more moments you start to show up released from the past or the future, the more you enjoy that moment. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just starting to, at this point in my life, really rediscover that. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that's the substance of things hoped for, what yeah. you're describing. Yeah, to, to be here, mm-hmm. right? To, to be here and just enjoy the, <laughs> the fellowship of this conversation, to look you in your eye, to give you my undivided attention, yeah. to feel the good intention that you have toward me. That's, that's a beautiful thing. And these are your words. Faith tunes you in. Tuning in clarifies purpose. Purpose creates passion. Passion causes you to do the work. The work makes you excellent. The excellence gives you a platform to use the tool for God. Yeah. I love I that. Said that. You said that. <laughs> I wrote that down. It took me like 10 minutes to write it down because I kept having to stop he, the tape. He jumped to the future. Yeah. Get but, lost. But I think that's profound because this is the steps to becoming excellent. But why do you want to become excellent? Well, because it's a tool for something bigger than Absolutely. you. And that's the whole goal. And so in the next segment, the final segment, um, I want to talk about that faith being the fuel. Because yeah. you okay. talked about that's kind of what you're alluding to. That's what you're speaking to. Um, and what do you mean by that? What do you mean faith is the fuel? You know, and, and the other thing is we all goof up. Oh we goodness. all goof up. What does that look like in Halloran's world? Oof. Because you talk about this transformation, about being a speaker, being all these things. You had to take a look at home, what you were doing, and what does that look like? Mm. So let's talk about that. We have Halloran Hilton Hill here in studio, thehousinghour.com. Listen to us there as well. And we'll be right back after these messages. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. It's Kevin Ray back with you here with Mark Griffith and Halloran Hilton Hill is our guest. And before we go back to our interview, I do need to tell you guys about a company that we here at the Housing Hour Mortgage Investors Group believe very strongly, and that's Admiral Title. You know, Halloran always talks about MIG in the morning and about us celebrating 25 years of helping American dreams come true. And Admiral Title is a partner in that. And they're an excellent partner, I might say. Um, They do a fantastic job of taking the baton and helping us finish the race. And you always need somebody in the race to encourage you and to help you end it well. And that's what they do. And they do a really good job with that. I know that Mark uses them. I know a lot of our loan officers certainly use them. So if you're a realtor or a lender out there and you want to partner with somebody who has a long-term investment in understanding your issues and how to get your uh, problem solved, then please give them an opportunity. They will be a great partner in what you're doing. You can give them a ring at 865-531-6060. And if you're just somebody out there looking to buy a home cash, maybe great for you. You can call them and they'll help you as well. 865-531-6060. That's Admiral Title. 
How did I do, Haller? You did an awesome job. <laughs> you like that? You did, you did an awesome job. <laughs> and I wanted to say thank you uh, to both of you yeah. for uh, inviting me to be on your show today. That's an honor. Absolutely. It's an honor for us, and it's our joy to have you. <laughs> I love the phrase that you coined for us, which I use all the time, which is, it's our joy to keep promises. Yeah. And that was, I believe, an original thought. It appeared to be. And, um, man, that's so true, though. You know, it's not just our job. You know, it's not your job to keep promises. It's, it should be your joy. You know, mm-hmm. when you when you consider something a job, that brings with it some baggage sometimes, even though it shouldn't. But anyway, but what we were talking about, I think, is so uh, profound. And I think so many people listening that want to know more, you know, because, you know, there's so many folks out there that that have a passion for something Mm -hmm. and it gets to that point where it's ready to launch. And then somehow the fuel is just not there and it's sitting there on the tarmac waiting. It's just waiting for it to be launched out into space and just blow up, not literally, but figuratively in a good way. And somehow the, the, the fuel is not there. And you talked in this interview that I heard on, um, just for men TV. It was really a good one. I'd recommend people Googling that. It's a great guy. Um, and he does a really well, good work. Um, we talked about the, the faith being the fuel. And so faith being the fuel, and you described a moment ago about the importance of faith to keep us from the fear from the past and also the anxiety about the future so that we could live in the moment. But also I know there's a lot of projects in the past that I've had that I've completed that I just really didn't show anybody. Because I just, I was so scared that people would judge it in a way that would be critical of me. And, and so I, I was, I was that fear that I had about, you know, showing people me, there was that fear that I had now. I don't care. I mean, KevinRay.com, you go see all my work. I mean, you know, criticize it, you know, whatever you want to do, but it's there. I put it out there. So talk about how faith is the fuel. <laughs> uh, as a, as a person that, has done a few things and I have so many things that I haven't done because of fear. Um, yeah, if you, if if you don't have that fundamental belief, I hear a lot of people talk about believing in yourself. I think one of the things that has helped me with the, the faith as fuel concept is if you could ever get to a point to realize that your passions, your dreams, your desires are really about something flowing through you for someone else. I mean, we're, we're afraid of our work being criticized. <laughs> right. Right. So I create Poor little us. <laughs> right. But, but really what it is, is, um, there are so many things that are to be delivered into the world through us. I mean, there, I, here's something nobody would know about me in the evenings to relax myself. I, I have this, uh, paint program on the iPad. I paint. I paint. I paint on canvas too. I'm not good. I do this modern stuff and some stuff I print out, some stuff I put up and I offer it out, but I paint. I've been terribly afraid to show anybody the paintings, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. I, but, but this creative impulse that kind of flows through us is for, not for us, it's for somebody else. And so I think of it this way now, Kevin, I think of it as can I get out of the way so that whatever this is that's supposed to come through me at least has a shot of getting to who it's for? Sometimes it's just for me. Some, sometimes it's just to have had 
the experience of feeling or enjoying creativity. The flow through was for me. Sometimes it was to create something that would help other people. My motto is grow, help others grow. But I need to stop being an obstructionist. I need to stop clogging up the pipes or gunking up the pipes because of my fear, inadequacies, and insecurities. Because that's what it really is. Mm-hmm. And so what, what is the faith for? Faith is for believing that I'm here for a reason. I have something to do. And it's okay to do it. And it's at the end of the day, it's not about me. I don't get to keep any of this. I don't keep, I don't, I don't get to, I won't outsmart death <laughs> or God. So the more I believe, the more it comes out. The more I engage in fear, the more it gets stuck. Mm-hmm. And I don't like the feeling of being stuck. And what about failure? Failure's good. It's awesome. Failure is awesome. You know, I love the Michael Jordan commercial where he says, I've missed 3,525 yeah. shots. And, yeah. and, and and you actually interviewed Michael Jordan's mom. And did. you said one of the things, one of your takeaways was, she said, well, Michael's just one of my sons. Right. I've got four other ones that are right. great. Right. You know, and so, you know, that's true. Yeah, he was an NBA player, but these other sons are great too. You know? Fail- failure is awesome. There, I love wisdom and literature and Proverbs, and there is a, a proverb that I've absolutely love this one is delicious it says this you may not like everything that happens but receive everything as a lesson and a teaching and so failure is just part of the learning process i'm reading a very interesting book right now called mindset by carol dweck And she talks about whether or not you have a fixed or growth mindset. People with a growth mindset have an orientation toward failure that's totally different. They realize this is part of the process. I've written hundreds of songs learning to write a handful of really good songs. Mm -hmm. I needed every single, I needed the rejection. The rejection caused me to look deeper and to work harder. I needed those failures. They were necessary difficulties. Um, Malcolm Gladwell calls them desirable difficulties in his book, David and Goliath. So I don't, what is failure? It's just, it's just, it's just another way for you to get better. And if you believe that you can harvest from every experience in your life, something that is a lesson and or a teaching, what is, what is failure? Yeah. Well, you talked about the things that shaped you. You talked about your mother and father certainly did. Facing rejection was another thing that shaped you. Um, not being popular in school certainly helped cultivate your creativity. All good stuff. All and good stuff. yeah, right. That's right. Oh, that, that was from the movie uh, that you just quoted. Never mind. <laughs> um, the youngest of five children, that definitely was. Um, and then, you know, character, those things that shaped you shaped your character, but they didn't complete your character. That wasn't, that will never be completed. I believe we're always in a growth cycle, but you talk about this building character and you know that God, you know, and I don't want to get religious up in here, but you know, (laughs) God will never be good enough for God on our own. And you spoke about this and it hit me like a ton of bricks. It was, you know, God wants us to certainly follow his commandments, but in, in the presence of a God, we'll, we'll never rise up to where he would want us to be. And that's, of course, where the faith comes in, in Jesus. 
But, but talk about that. I mean, we're all striving for something. And I think sometimes we put in me personally, we put too much time and energy into trying to become perfect when we just need to be what we are supposed to be. And, you know, and while you're talking about that, a big person in your life that, that helped form who you are was Bobby Denton. Mm. And, and when you came in 1990 and we, darn, we only have six minutes left, but, um, you know, he certainly was part of your story. So maybe intertwine that. I bet you can do it fine. So Bobby Denton, um, he, he believed in me, period. Uh, he saw something in me and was willing to, to put his credibility, his faith, his name, his reputation alongside mine and say, we believe in this guy. We're going to give him a shot. And I will forever be grateful to him and his legacy for that. And he had my back. That's a, a powerful thing. I never thought I could be fired. And now that might have been naive and ignorant <laughs> on my part. I knew I could be cussed out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey! <laughs> I, I knew I'd get some of that, but I, I never thought I could be fired. So, I mean, that gives you a great luxury. But my parents did the same thing. And I realized mm-hmm. throughout my life there's been, you know, kind of a conspiracy. Um, people of goodwill and good faith have made up for all the people who tried to do do wrong by me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm really good with that. Um, in terms of, of pursuing your passions and, and, you know, you'll never be perfect, I really don't think the point of life is to be perfect. In fact, I think a lot of our strivings, we're just kind of chasing vapor, mm-hmm. right? There's no there there. I think the real power comes from realizing in every moment of your life that you're getting to express something that has been placed inside of you. And for you to want to perfect your ability to express that, like I said, for the service of others. I mean, if you, if you have a company, try this. If you become a master at what you do, but then you leverage that to the advantage of the customer, you will be rewarded in the marketplace. That's just how it works. Mm-hmm. I didn't make this stuff up. Customers come to prefer you. I mean, it's, it's one of the reasons I'm blown away by Mortgage Investors Group. The way you guys have done your reps, the way you have perfected your craft, the way you've sought the wisdom of the business that you do allows people when they contact you, the luxury of being able to get done quickly, the -hmm. process they learn in the process. Mm -hmm. It's your joy to keep promises. And as long as the company puts it at the service of those people who need what you have, the bottom line gets blacker. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It just does. And so that's one of those things I think if people would realize the, the other thing is, if you could just enjoy, if you could just inject and infuse the work that you have in front of you with some type of joy, if you would know that excellence, I, at least I'm at this point now, and please don't stop the paychecks coming. I love them. Yeah. Um, but I'm at this point in my life, in, in my life now, Kevin and Mark, this is where I am. I just find joy in the doing. Mm-hmm. there's no there there for me. You, know, you guys were asking me about syndication and all this other stuff. That was Mark. That, that, that <laughs> might, that, you know, that might happen one day, Yeah. but I'm not living for that. Yeah. I find great joy in 
like this moment we're having right now. When I try to define love, and I don't mean to cut you off, but we only have a couple minutes left. When I define love, I think of certain things. And the most recent thing that I define love by is the act that Bobby didn't gave you when you had death threats. Into come Absolutely. Calling. Just tell me that story real quick. because I, I was yeah. told that if I came to a certain place, they were going to kill me. Bobby said, you don't have to go. I said, I'm not going to live my life in fear. Bobby said, then if you're going, I'm going. He took me in his vehicle. We took some plainclothes officers. I did the event. Bobby sat next to me, and he said, if they're going to shoot you today, they're going to shoot me today. Right. Who else are you going to work for? Yeah. That's crazy. Who, who else? Are, who right. does that? Right. Because right? that was a real threat. I no, mean, these were real yeah, threats. Right. right. But who does that? And he wasn't doing it for the money he thought he was going to make from me because I know he didn't make any money that day. Right. right. <laughs> it was the future money he was going to make. Right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, you, you were um, at, of course, the funeral, and, and you gave a really good talk about Bobby. And Bobby is uh, and was the host of our tournament, and we are dedicating this tournament to him mm-hmm. and this year and in future years. And his family has been very kind to us, and uh, we certainly appreciate your partnership Yes. Um, and we appreciate all that you do for MIG and all f- that you do for this community and the awareness that you bring to important issues, Halloran. So thank you. It's my pleasure, and thank you guys for having me here. It's our joy to have you here. So this is the Housing Hour, and we want to thank you guys for coming in. Listen to this show. Pass it on to friends and family. I think this this show could go platinum, honestly. <laughs> thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next week right here on the Housing Hour. That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and the why not. You need to know, so come here to find out. This program is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.